Welcome back from Thanksgiving break. Hope you guys still got some room for a little extra helping of recruiting scoop. We have a lot to cover today. I'm your host, Josh Newberg. This is the Inside Scoop. It was an eventful holiday weekend. Four-star defensive lineman out of Texas, Johnny Bowens, committed to Oregon over the in-state Longhorns and Aggies. Four-star wide receiver Anthony Evans, a longtime Oklahoma commit, he flipped to Georgia. But there's one that surprised me the most, and that was four-star defensive lineman Deron Reed from Columbus, Georgia, Flipping his commitment from LSU to Auburn, Reed is a top 50 recruit. On three has him ranked as the number 40th best player in the country and the sixth best D lineman. Let's bring in director of recruiting for on three, Chad Simmons. Chad, Auburn flipping LSU's top ranked defensive line commitment without a head coach in place was not something that I saw coming. Why did he flip and is the timing of all this odd to you? Yeah, Josh, we've seen some odd ones. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Reed being one, Jakari Williams, 2024, four-star quarterback committing to Georgia Tech a week ago without a head coach. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely some odd things in recruiting going on. But if you know the backstory, I mean, Reed's been there countless times. He lives 30 minutes or so from the Auburn campus in Columbus, Georgia. You know, obviously, you know, the, the biggest thing is about them not having a head coach in place. But we know – NIL is a factor now. We, we know, you know, location's a factor. Family's always played a role in this, too. And uh, he just feels best about the opportunity at Auburn, staying close to home um, and other things just around the program, the culture there. And he trusts that they'll hire the right guy. But he likes the location. He likes the program and he likes the culture at Auburn University. Hey, huge pickup for Auburn. Can't can't deny that. Uh, before we get into some of the intel from the weekend, though, I want to get your thoughts on Josh Heupel landing another five-star recruit. On Friday, the number three defensive lineman in the country, David Hobbs, picked Tennessee over Georgia and Alabama. Um, how did this go down? Was it a surprise to you that Tennessee, even though they kind of sputtered on the field toward the end of the season, that they were able to lock down another five-star recruit? No, not, not a big surprise, Josh. I think you and I both have kind of painted the picture that Tennessee was likely in the top two uh, for Hobbs over the last few months. You know, at one time it was kind of looked at as Alabama and Tennessee. Late it became Tennessee and Georgia uh, for Hobbs. But the, but the one consistent there, and even going back to the summer, was Tennessee before even Alabama and Georgia were involved. You know, so and I think with Hobbs, the biggest thing was this was a family decision. Uh, his family felt best and really good around that staff in Knoxville. Hypo was personally involved. Not saying that Saban wasn't or Kirby Smart was not. They were involved as well. But Hypo did a good job. Rodney Garner played a role. Uh, and I think he sees the opportunity to play right away and be an impact player on that t uh, Tennessee defensive line. So th this was a huge win. Uh, Georgia wanted him. Alabama wanted him. This was a true win for Tennessee recruiting. Yeah, big time get. All right, let's run through some of the other weekend news. Alabama five-star commitment, Caleb Downs, the number one safety in America. He took an official visit, not to Alabama over the weekend. He was in Columbus, Ohio. Is there any chance the Buckeyes can flip Caleb Downs? Oh, absolutely. You know, Downs was there for, you know, 24-ish hours. He spent some time on campus Sunday as well, meeting with Eliano, uh, Knowles, Ryan Day, um, they're very much in play. This was talked about even a couple weeks ago that he could potentially be 
at the horseshoe, not at the Iron Bowl uh, yeah. on Thanksgiving weekend. And we know we've talked about, I, at least I have, that Ohio State's the bigger threat, not Georgia to Alabama, even though Georgia is the in-state school. Uh, he sees the opportunity to get on the field. Look, Dallas is going to play. He could go anywhere in the country, and he'll play, I think, day one. Will he start? Who knows? But he'll play. He's that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he likes the fit at Ohio State potentially, and I think they are a real threat to Alabama. Uh, look, Dallas is not going to talk about the visit. He's not going to talk about the threat. He's playing in the semifinals this weekend coming up for a chance to play for the state championship in Georgia. His number one focus is there. But Ohio State is very much a threat to Alabama for Caleb Downs. All right. Keep on watching this one. Less than a month till signing day. Let's talk about right now five-star edge Keon Keeley. When we started the show back in September, it seemed like we talked about him every single episode. He had just decommitted from Notre Dame. He was taking visits. But his recruitment kind of went quiet the last four or five weeks until this weekend took an unofficial visit to Alabama, showed up on his own dime to go watch the Iron Bowl. Is this still an Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia battle? What are you hearing coming out of this trip? You know, I I still like Alabama. I think the way it's been the last month or so is the way Keon Keeley likes it, extremely quiet. He's playing this very close to the vest. I mean, he's talking to other recruits. They're asking him, you know, where his mind's at, where his heart's at, what his timeline is. He's not telling them anything. He's not telling much to his family. Uh, He's really keeping this internal for himself to figure out where he wants to go and when he wants to make that decision. But based on the intel and the pieces I've put together, I still like where Alabama's at. You know, Ohio State had Jaden Minkins, another uh, edge rush guy that's committed to LSU on campus this weekend for an official. I think, you know, Ohio State maybe is trending there to flip him. Uh, is that telling about where they feel their confidence levels at for Keon Keeley? Look, I don't think Florida's in this race anymore. If they are, they're mm. a very, very distant third. I think Alabama's widened that gap to be the front runner for Keon Keeley. Uh, now we're kind of waiting to see, you know, when he makes that decision. Does he go to the early signing period? Does he set up an announcement at his high school in the next couple of weeks? You know, that's kind of still, be, I think, be determined. But the buzz is still strong around the Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide with Keon Keeley. Do you think it's an early signing day decision? I know you said you, you don't know. It could be late. It could, but do you think, I mean, we got like three and a half weeks to go. Do you think he makes an early decision? Look, he's at Berkeley Prep. You know, you're from that area. You've covered recruiting. You know, that school's a little bit more traditional, a little more old Shout out school. to Coach Sayo. You know, yeah, I mean, he's he's a great guy. Been around for a long time. Long time. Uh, a lot of talented players at Berkeley Prep. But they do things a little bit differently. You know, mm-hmm. the only time they allow guys, and from what I'm told, to do the whole hat game uh, as far as lay the hat to the table is during a signing day ceremony, not a pre-signing day. So if, if Keon wants to go that route and kind of have fun with it, you know, whether it's, you know, mini helmets, hats, whatever, that will be an early signing day decision, I'm told. If he just wants to go out there and announce where he's going, that could come sooner. Uh, but right now, it, it could go, I think, either way. I think, obviously, he will announce uh, at, at the latest during the early signing period, but it could come sooner. All right, great. Alabama wasn't done there. They had a big visit weekend. Uh, some of the teammates, two of the two teammates that were on campus were James Smith and Quay Roussel. We've talked a lot about them, the two five-star defensive linemen. They were back in Tuscaloosa this past weekend. Does anyone have a real shot at this duo besides Alabama and Auburn? 
and I'm going to stay what I've been saying for a while, keep an eye on the Auburn Tigers. We saw them get uh, Deron Reed without, you know, a head coach in place. You know, I still hear they are a true threat to Alabama. Now, you know, Quay's going to mention Florida. He's going to mention Georgia. Ohio State's out of the mix for both of those guys. They put Alabama State, the school just three miles from their home, on their top six list, but they're not in play either. Uh, this is going to come down to an in-state battle. And I do okay. think Auburn is one to watch when they get whoever the head coach is in place, whoever the D-line coach is in place, whoever they come in as a new defensive coordinator. Auburn will be in this race until the end. They like the Auburn culture. They like the community. They like the fan base. Um, I mean, I talked to Quay on the, on the phone Sunday night talking about the Iron Bowl last year at Auburn and this year in Tuscaloosa. He said there was nothing like that fan base on the Plains a year ago. Nothing against Alabama's fan base. The game was different a year ago, too. Auburn was in that until the very end. Bama kind of controlled this game for the most part. So different atmosphere, sure. But I think Auburn's the one to watch, and they will be the one to watch until the end. Auburn's really doing some unbelievable work on the recruiting trail without a head coach. I mean, their defensive line class is unbelievable. You also got Reuben Bain, who's heavily interested in Auburn still as well. So imagine if they could close on these two guys, couple that with Deron Reed and maybe Reuben Bain. You're remaking the entire Auburn defensive line without a head coach in place yet. So we'll see what happens here. Four-star linebacker Arian Carter took his unofficial visit to Alabama this weekend. He's trending heavily on the on-three recruiting prediction machine. Does this seal it for Carter, who will be taking an uh, official visit to Alabama in just a couple weeks? Yeah, I don't think it's a done deal, Josh. I do think Alabama is the school to beat, but that school that's their biggest competition is who just beat them for David Hobbs. That's the University of Tennessee, the in-state program for Arian Carter. You know, they've made him a priority, a lot like David Hobbs. Josh Hype was kind of taking this one at the will and become the lead guy, the lead recruiter, interacting with him, his family. This coming weekend, when Carter's on campus in Knoxville for his OV, I think that'll be very telling how it comes out of that weekend, what the buzz is. Did Tennessee make a significant move? Uh, did they close that gap? Did they jump Alabama as the favorite? Uh, and then Bama will get him back on campus that next weekend, the weekend of the 9th and 10th in December, to try to maybe close the deal then. But right now, Bama's trending. Tennessee has a big opportunity coming up uh, this coming weekend to at least make this a very interesting race. I, I don't think you can count out Tennessee just yet. No, definitely not. They're very hot on the recruiting trail right now. <clears throat> Speaking of hot on the recruiting trail, Florida State, they hosted Florida for their annual rivalry game in Tallahassee over the weekend. And four-star defensive lineman Jordan Hall made it to the game. Now, Jordan Hall has been showing heavy interest in UGA and UF, even Alabama. Is Florida State getting in the mix, and can they get him back on campus for an official visit between now and early signing day? I mean, they love nothing more. I mean, obviously, getting him on campus Friday night for that win over Florida. I mean, look, what Mike Norvell's done this year is what I think FSU fans expected, and I think what Mike Norvell needed uh, to do at Florida State and Tallahassee. And getting a guy like Jordan Hall on campus was big. What Was it big enough, I think, for them to become a true contender 
They'll have to get him back on campus for an OV. He's got the University of Florida this coming weekend, the University of Georgia the next weekend. He has that last weekend mm-hmm. before signing day still open. Uh, he was supposed to be at Ohio State this past weekend for an OV. He canceled that. The Buckeyes are out. Uh, he's leaving that fifth visit open. He may or may not take one. If he does take one, I do think it goes to Florida State. If Florida State gets him on campus, then they become one to watch. This was kind of like the the first visit to kind of keep the communication going. We'll see what happens next. But I still like where Georgia's at mm-hmm. at the moment uh, with Alabama probably running second right now for Jordan Hall. Yeah, that's becoming a really interesting recruitment, especially if FSU can make uh... – can make it into into the top four or five because they are only two hours away right down the street. All right, let's head out west. Lincoln Riley has made five-star defensive lineman Mateo Uyagalele a real priority. He was at USC over the weekend. Ohio State has been trending on the recruiting pr- prediction machine, though. Did USC do enough to overcome the Buckeyes' lead? Look, I think USC's season and what Lincoln Riley has done, what going 11-1, playing for the now Pac-12 championship against a team that beat them, Utah, uh, this coming weekend has definitely opened the eyes of Mateo. Now, he he liked USC, um, and they're definitely in the mix. uh, Mm -hmm. But I still like where Ohio State's at, and I think the sleeper in this one is the University of Georgia. Keep an eye. He's going to, I think, be at Georgia for an OV uh, the same weekend we just mentioned Jordan Hall, the weekend December 9th and 10th. Um, he's, he's been in communication with Kirby Smart, Trey Scott. USC's not out, but I'm told by a source close to this that they're a distant second, third, fourth team, and they don't think he ends up staying home in L.A., but he wants to get out get away, make his own legacy. And I still like Ohio State one, but keep an eye on the University of Georgia here making a late run at Mateo. That would be crazy. There's a couple big pieces left on the defensive line recruiting board for some of these schools, and it's all going to come down to the wire. All right, Chad, thanks for stopping by the Inside Scoop. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Josh. See ya. Next up on the Inside Scoop, we have national recruiting analyst Sam Spiegelman. Sam Oregon lost a key cog to their explosive offense with the departure of offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, who was announced as the new head coach at Arizona State on Sunday morning. I know this is this has the potential to impact Oregon recruiting. So I want to know who were some of Dillingham's guys in this 2023 class? Yeah, Josh, well, you know that, that Kenny Dillingham is a young, enthusiastic offensive mind, and, and him leaving Oregon is going to leave them with some, some holes to fill. Um, most famously, he's responsible for recruiting five-star quarterback Dante Moore to Oregon over Michigan at, the po- at that time, over Notre Dame. And uh, we know that Michigan State is still trying to flip Dante Moore. And um, Dillingham is, is, you know, he's most known, for, you know, he's an offensive mind. He's great with quarterbacks. He's, he's known Dante since he was at previous junctures. He's been all over the South, all over the West Coast now. And he's recruited the heck out of the state of Arizona, which will probably be Oregon's biggest, you know, area to, to watch um, as they try to keep this class together. Yeah, it's really interesting to see because Kenny is young. He is a great recruiter. And you know he's going to come after some of these great players that Oregon has. It's got people talking, five-star QB, Dante Moore, rumors are swirling once again, and people are want to know, is Moore going to look around now that his primary recruiter's gone? 
You know, of course, there's a chance. Uh, personally, I think that Moore is locked in. He just coming off his second state championship, um, you know, just a little bit under a month away from the signing period. I think that Michigan State, sure, they had a, a shot because they're the in-state team and, and they haven't taken their foot off the gas. But um, I think you can almost credit Dillingham for, you know, opening Dante's eyes up to Oregon where it was. Now, there are other players to watch, but I think that Dante Moore is – is probably locked in at this point. I expect him to be a duck in, in a few months here. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because Kenny Dillingham met him when he was at Auburn, recruited him at Florida State, got him on campus at FSU, then gets him committed at Oregon. So you're telling me, is there any chance that Kenny Dillingham could take a five-star quarterback with him to Arizona State to start his coaching tenure? Any chance? Listen, he might get him on a visit. You know, that's a that's a testament to relationships. You know how big relationships are in recruiting. I think there are other names out there, but I think Dante Moore, if he makes a visit, that would say so much about Kenny Dillingham. I think that'll get the Arizona State fan base really hyped up about what's to come for Kenny. Um, but I don't I don't think it'll be anything more than a visit if that. Yeah. And he is a Detroit native, so Michigan State, I know you mentioned him. Do you think that they can get him on campus between now and early signing day? I know they're going to try, um, you know, now that his now that his football season is in the books, um, he's got a few visits to take. I'd expect that Oregon is going to try to get him to take one more look at Eugene. You expect Dillingham to try to get him to Arizona State just to, you know, see what kind of movement they can get late in this cycle. And, yeah, Michigan State hasn't given up. Um, it looks like Michigan has moved on to the 2024 class, even though they're the, the talk of the college football world. I think that ultimately Dante Moore stays put, but. I don't think we'll be without a little bit of drama before the early signing period arrives. All right. Let's uh, stay at the quarterback position, but move from 23 to the 24 class. We're about a week away from the commitment of the number two ranked QB in the 2024 class, DJ Lagway out of Texas. The four-star QB was on an unofficial visit to USC last weekend while Caleb Win Williams was out there winning the Heisman. What are you hearing about how that visit went and how it could impact his recruitment? Well, Josh, you already know that my RPM is on Florida with DJ Lagway. That was a that was a pick made um, to represent where I felt that DJ was leaning at that point in his recruitment. But I can tell you that um, as they get back to, to Houston on Sunday night and, and he's back in town today, um, they have a lot to think about coming out of this USC visit. Um, they took an unofficial visit through the, the campus and spent time with the coaches on Friday before game time. We know that the, the energy around USC going into the Notre Dame game is, is always huge. And DJ was a huge part of it. The whole coaching staff rolled out the red carpet. And then, like you said, watching Caleb Williams have his Heisman moment in the Coliseum, the nation's top uncommitted 2024 quarterback in attendance. We know that Lincoln Riley and USC has been either at the top or among the teams communicating with Lagway even before September 1st. Him, Clemson, um, Florida's Billy Napier, the three coaches taking the biggest role in recruiting Lagway. Take that with the win, the moment, the energy. The staff is looking to find their next quarterback for 2024. And now I think USC is in the best position to give Florida a run going into this December 7th decision. Yeah, so let's talk about your RPM pick for Lagway to UF. You put it in how long ago? About two weeks ago. Are right. you coming out of this visit? Are you confident in your UF pick or are you just waiting to hear more out of USC? Yeah, I think it's still early. Like, you know, this this visit has just taken place. And right now, DJ has no more visits ahead uh, before December 7th. At this point, you know, Texas A&M coming off a big win. He's a Baylor legacy. I think those are the other two teams to watch. But ultimately, 
it feels like it's Florida, which has a ton of momentum. He's visited there twice and he's a top priority for them versus USC with a, with a few more days to go. I think they need to let this visit sink in. Um, we'll see what Lincoln Riley has up his sleeve over the next couple of weeks and trying to close. You know that USC still has a big game next weekend um, to continue to entice DJ. Um, I think it's those two teams. I would be surprised if any other team could get in the mix, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him go in either direction given the relationships and, and the development of the quarterbacks at each one of those schools. You know it's recruiting season when you say something like what you just said. You said <laughs> knowing DJ Lagway's commitment is like seven days away, you said we still have a long ways to go. And I understand what you mean by that. That's what that's how you know it's recruiting season officially. So <laughs> good luck covering the rest of DJ Lagway's recruitment. No, but we will continue to talk about it. We got a show on Thursday. We'll see what you find out between now and then. Um, let's switch gears a little bit, but staying at the quarterback position, you got to see the season finale of Arch Manning's high school career. Uh, the five-star QB lost in the quarterfinals of the state championships to University Lab. How did he play? What would you, how would you just summarize his high school career? Yeah, it's, um, it's a little bit surreal now, now thinking that this has come to an end. This has been a four-year journey, I think, covering a recruitment like, like no other player that, that I've ever covered. And, and I've been fortunate to cover a lot of number one type of players in the country. Leonard Fournette and Mason Smith and Derek Stingley Jr. And no one seemed to bring the attention in a social media driven world, much like Arch Manning did. And I think the first thing that stands out is he's a fantastic kid. And to go through all that attention and, and everything his, he does is under so much scrutiny. The way he's handled it, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to handle it as a 17 year old. So props to him. But in terms of play style, going up against University Lab in this finale, um, that's a tough task for, for any offense in the country, especially one where your, your left tackle has a bum ankle, you're without your top three wide receivers, and your offensive line is having to contain, I would say, five or six future Power 5 defensive players, including Notre Dame linebacker commit Jaden Osbury and Keelan Moses, who's the younger brother of Dylan Moses, which I know you remember, Josh, very well. Of course. Um, Arch finished his senior season 34 touchdowns and two interceptions. Those two interceptions came – in this quarterfinal loss, um, they basically him chucking it up, trying to make a play with this university lab defense, just kind of hurrying down on him. Overall, I, I, I don't know how else to put it, but when you play at the Louisiana 2A classification like Derek Stingley, like Devontae Smith did, you have to dominate. Now, Arch has not always had the moments in the playoffs against superior teams, um, but over four years, I don't know if anyone has put together a more impressive tape um, and in the moments you see just such greatness, such poise, such athleticism, development, the way he sees the field, the way he attacks it. I think the most appropriate comp for him going going into Texas would be Joe Burrow. Um, with If you watch how the Bengals played against the, the Titans yesterday, you can't help but, but see the similarities between the two quarterbacks. So cerebral um, and so much athleticism that I don't think that we're going to really get to appreciate until he gets to work at Texas with Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Milwee. And then I think we'll see him with a profound offensive line, speed on the perimeter in the slot, and a running game that can really take some pressure off of him, and that will be when he's at his best. So um, for a four-year career, impact record setter at Newman, um, seems like you know the, the, the topic of conversation every single Saturday morning during the football season. I think he's had an extraordinary career, um, record setter uptown in New Orleans. I think he put Louisiana on the map, and I think Texas has the QB1 in this class, and 
You know, I think that's definitely a conversation with the way that, that Nico has played and, and Jackson Arnold over at Denton Geyer. Um, but if you take context into the equation, which I believe you have to, I think Arch has really shown a ton over the last four years and really as a senior. Speaking of QB1, can he compete for the QB1 job when he gets to Texas next year? They The, the play's been a little bit up and down. You've seen him as a high school talent. Do you think he's ready to step into that QB situation and compete from day one? You know, I think that Arch will compete. I don't know if he is ready. Um, like we like we talked about, the Louisiana class 2A speed of the game compared to, you know, the Big 12 and, you know, the Texas versus TCU, the number four team in the country and, you know, Oklahoma. And these. this is a, a major transition for him to go through. He's going to enroll early. He's going to, you know, he's going to learn that offense. He's going to study it like, you know, we've talked about the Peyton 202 classes that he takes. Mm -hmm. He understands the game. I think it's just a matter of time. And what I was, you know, the conversations I was having around Newman, I think, you know, if he can get into games as a freshman, I think that will bode really well for his future. But, you know, Quinn Ewers is going through that transition right now. And, and behind him, Hudson Card was fantastic when he was in high school, and he's played really well when he stepped in. I think Arch would be best to, to sit a year, get a, get a good grasp of the offense, get a good grasp of the speed of the game at Texas. And I think by the time his second year comes around, we're going to start getting really excited about what that Texas offense will look like with him leading the way. All right, Sam. Well, great job covering his recruitment the last four years and uh, have fun watching him on the next level. Thanks for joining <laughs> us today on the Inside Scoop. Thanks for having me, Josh. See ya. Thank you for watching. Make sure you smash that subscribe button for me and remember to check out all the videos on the On3 YouTube page.